Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. What is going on, Diesel Nation? We're excited to have you guys with us today on the Diesel Podcast. If you're watching this on YouTube and aren't subscribed, make sure and click the subscribe button, turn on notifications, like the video, comment. Let us know what you think about it. Let us know if there's a question you'd like us to ask the guests, maybe after the episode or get them back on. Or if you want to hear about a completely different topic, we're always checking YouTube comments. We love seeing your guys' opinions on topics, things you guys are working on, and what your direct experience is with products, um, whether it's fuel additives, turbos, injectors, transmissions. Let us know. We love hearing from you guys. One of the most common questions that we get on the podcast from the very first one we released until now is what is the worst truck to buy and what's the best? And it's a very uh, difficult topic to tackle because there's so many different sides of it, whether we're focused on performance or what is, you know, has the best price value, what has the most aftermarket support. So today, Vinny from Leadfoot Diesel Performance is going to join me. He's been in the industry for 15 plus years seen every every different angle of the industry from sales service maintenance repair everything and i wanted to ask him factually what does he see at the shop so this isn't about brand loyalty or which one can make the most power our focus is really a truck that you would keep stock or near stock just do you know minor upgrades on um, something you daily drive tow with and the criteria that we're going to use are one are there any inherent issues with the truck itself whether it's with the engine transmission turbos electronics just something you would have to address if you purchased it. Second's going to be what's the aftermarket support like. So if you do have issues or you do want upgrades or there is a failure and you want to go back in with better parts, how well is it supported in the aftermarket? And then third is does the truck have the capability to make the horsepower and the torque numbers that you would need to tow um, what a trailer weighs today? If you have an active lifestyle, you're always towing, hot shotting. Can the truck make enough power, provide enough creature comforts that you would want to put tons of miles on it every year? So I'm going to sit back, ask him for his factual opinion. I'll interject a little bit with my probably less factual, but just my opinions on what I think is the best and have a great conversation. So it's going to be a three-part podcast. Um, There's just too much information to put on one, so we're going to have three parts and really look forward to it. Before we get to it, though, I want to remind you guys, our friends at Kershaw Knives have a 20% off site-wide code for you. You just use code DIESEL20 at kershaw.kiausa.com. You get 20% off site-wide. They've got a ton of different knives for EDC, hunting, fishing, and no matter what budget you have, they've got some really cool stuff. So if you're in the market, check them out. All right, let's get to part one of chatting with Vinny from Leadfoot Diesel Performance about what his opinion and, and factual experiences with the worst diesel truck to buy and the best. Vinny, welcome back to the Diesel Podcast, man. How you doing this morning? I'm doing good, brother. What you got going on out there? I'm a little jealous of your background that uh, <laughs> that you got on this Saturday morning with the beautiful trees, a little fire going behind you. Looks way better Stick than what I'm looking at. Out. Roosters are crowing. <laughs> man, I've been, I've wanted to do this for a really long time. And that is to like about four years ago, we did an episode about the worst diesel trucks to buy. And we went through each make and model and uh, the gentleman that was on um, owned a car or truck dealership. And he was telling us just things that they saw. And I know a lot has changed over four years and your perspective is also a bit different because you've been in the industry for 15 plus years, been working on them even longer than that. They've seen all different sides of diesel from 
you know, parts, owning them yourself, service, maintenance, everything. So I thought we would do like a three-part kind of podcast and go through what is the worst and the best within each model. And I'll just throw questions at you, you know, and ask. And I thought what we would do, you know, it's kind of the, the way we would approach it is, you know, which trucks have just inherent issues that no matter whether they were brand new or they're 10 or 15 or 20 years old, somebody buys one, they're going to have to fix these things. Two would be what's the aftermarket support like. So if you do have one of these trucks or maybe you have one of the best ones that we, we name, how easily can you get stuff? And then third, I thought to make it fair for new versus old is how much power can it make? Because I don't think you what know, truck owners wanted in 94 or 89 or 97 is the same as what we're accustomed to now in 2022 with what the new power stroke, the high output's going to make 500 horse and 1200 foot pounds. So I thought that would be kind of a loose, you know, sort of judge of our opinions of what's the worst and best. Oh, absolutely. No, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of good valid points in there too. Um, <clears throat> I personally, I kind of have the broad spectrum of those, what you just mentioned. I have a 97 power stroke. I love it. Uh, it's, absolutely the best body style ever made i don't care what anybody says in the comments you're wrong um there's just nothing sexier than an obs ford and and at 11 years old working on a cattle ranch in montana that's what i drove it was the first vehicle that i actually took out on the highway with a cattle trailer and took cows to auction in. and so i've always wanted one uh for me it's not even it's more of a romantic relationship with my 97 i hate that piece of shit um <laughs> You know, if I pull up to a stop sign and I look left and I look right and there's somebody a mile down the road, we sit there and we wait. You know, I'm not going to ruin their day because I drive a piece of shit 7.3. So, you know, I, I love that truck and it's got a, a romantic place in my heart. But at the end of the day, it's, I don't know, I've never had it out. We did dyno at one time with a bad lift pump that made 67 horsepower. So, <laughs> I mean, being fair with a, a tune and a S&B cold air intake, that's that's one upgrade I do on every single truck I own is put an SMB intake on it and uh, it might make 200 horsepower at the tires. And I love it. It's a great truck. It's left me stranded like 12 times, but <laughs> I also have an 05 power stroke with a six liter in it. And I never wanted a six liter. I hated six liters. I talked crap about six liters for 10 years of my life at least. But at the end of the day, it's affordable in a weird way. Like when you buy a six liter, you don't go into it. Like, oh, I'm going to buy the biggest piece of shit ever made and make it reliable. For me, it was it, the truck literally came into the shop and the customer brought it to us uh, proactively. He bought it at an auction and uh, brought it to us to do head gaskets on it. And they weren't blown. They it didn't have any problems, but he'd read about it online. And I get this, you know, for a shop that does 70 trucks a week, I deal in volume. You know, all my opinions are not opinions. I don't even have opinions. Opinions are stupid. I deal in facts. So if I see seven threes coming in constantly with bad injectors and bad lift pumps and clogged up socks and the in-tank sending unit, those are problems. Those are issues that we fix every single day, all the time. That's just the seven threes plague is the in-tank filter socks get clogged up. It puts a lot of strain on the lift pump. The lift pump starts to fail. 
stars of the injectors for fuel. Now you got to do injectors. Those are facts. Those aren't opinions. So if you own a 7.3, that's something you're going to run into at some point. If you want to be proactive, drop the tank every two years and clean the sending unit, and you can avoid expensive injector repairs. Uh, if you don't do that and you're lazy, you're going to put injectors in your truck every 190,000 miles or what have you. If you have a six liter, someday the head gasket's going to blow. And so people know this. This is we're in an we're in an age of information. You know, the internet is just brimming with information, some good and some bad. And so a lot of people are already halfway educated when they bring their truck into the shop. So my 05 Power Stroke came in to get head gaskets. First thing we do when we start to do head gaskets is we run the truck through a full diagnostic procedure and we check injectors, we check the turbo, we check everything we can possibly check with IDS. And then we go through and do a visual inspection. We check brakes, ball joints, U-joints, everything. You got a massive labor blanket when you're doing head gaskets. So what we try to do as a shop is we try to give the customer everything. And I'm upfront with them and I'm honest with them. I'm like, hey, 90% of what's on this estimate, you don't need. Uh, these are just observations. We're just trying to be polite and helpful and fair with you. If you want to repair these things while it's here, repair them. So we did that. We ran through the truck and it was in good shape. You know, it ran great. And uh, the next step's draining fluids. So we drained the oil and we drained the coolant. Well, we drained the coolant. We attempted to drain the oil. And when we pulled the drain plug out of the oil pan, nothing came out. And the oil had literally solidified because the previous owner had never changed the oil. Apparently we don't really know the history of the truck. So call the customer, you know, and we're like, Hey, the oil solidified. Do you want us to keep going? Yes. Keep going. So we start tearing down and we ended up pulling the engine out of the truck and pull the oil pan. And there was a two inch thick rubber form of the oil pan that was at one time dinosaur bones. And it had, it had started to eat the lifters. It had started to eat and pitting into the cam. So the truck ended up needing a motor for no other reason than neglect. And, you know, the customer was kind of threw his hands up. was like, I'm done, you know, uncle. And so I got the truck for a really good deal because he didn't want to fix it. And I put the money into it and fixed it. So all in, I got an 05 Super Duty, fully loaded sunroof, every factory option you could get for 15,000 bucks with head studs. So I drive a six liter now. I never thought I would, never planned on it. Made fun of those guys forever, but... To have a four-door long bed F-350 pickup truck for 15 grand with leather and sunroof and every amenity I could want, that's hard to beat. I mean, yeah. I can't go out and buy a brand new, you know, I, I can't go out and buy a 2011 Lariat for 15 grand. They're 50 still. It's insane how well the six sevens are holding their value. So, you know me, you've known me for, well, we meet on Comp D probably in the... 0508 era i was a diehard retarded cummins guy you couldn't tell me anything else now i got a 7.3 and a 6.0 power stroke sitting in my driveway so life in the diesel industry will do that you know it's it's not that i wanted them but i grew up poor and uh i live a pretty humble lifestyle still today and at the end of the day i gotta drive what's gonna get me from point a to point b for the least amount of dollars possible and I put that money into that six Oh seven years ago and it hasn't been in the shop since. Um, that's hard to beat. I mean, yeah. it's been a very reliable platform. Truck's got 353,000 really trouble free miles on it. And, uh, 
I can't say that about my seven <laughs> three. Well, I think a lot of uh, a lot of enthusiasts, <clears throat> you know, when they're looking for something, and like you mentioned, it's easy to find information, but who is giving the information? It can be tough when you Google, you know, what's the best truck to buy or diesel truck to buy. Who, who's riding it? How much experience? I definitely don't have the most. Um, you know, I know I, I know what I had and my experience with it, but I've never had my hands into an LB7 or a 7.3 Power Stroke or 6 liter or 6.4. So I thought it'd be great to have you on. And I thought for this first, you know, kind of part one is we would start with Ford Power Strokes. And in, like you said, you don't operate in opinions, you operate in facts. (laughs) So what is, what is the best one to, to own? And, and, I probably should have clarified this in the start. We're not talking about building a race truck or a street truck. We're just talking about sure. something point A to point Off B. To yep. Man. So the fun thing about doing these podcasts with you is I never know what you're going to throw on me. So I inevitably started with power stroke without you even introducing this episode. So you're welcome. Um, <laughs> so the hard, you just hit a lot of points there in a very short, time the internet's full of bullshit and bullshit happens when money's involved um i don't own lead foot diesel i'm just the idiot that answers the phones there so it does not behoove me to have a favorite it does not behoove me to take up for one brand versus the other that doesn't change my lifestyle at the end of the day it doesn't put food on my table all i have to do is answer the phone i'm not paid on commission so I don't care if you drive a Ford, a Chevy, or a Dodge. You buy whatever your butt feels most comfortable in, bring it to us, and I'll tell you what's wrong with it or what could go wrong with it. Uh, At the end of the day, the simple fact is they're all garbage, and that's why I have a job, and that's why this podcast exists. So right off the showroom floor being just perfectly blatantly honest, I would have to say the 6.7 Power Stroke is probably the most reliable platform out there right now. Um, 6R140 transmissions, an amazing transmission. We've pumped 800 plus horsepower through them. Can't kill them. Uh, we did finally kill one with 1290 horsepower on a stock trans. We broke the intermediate shaft, um, doing a four wheel drive boosted launch. And so we had a, a I want to say billet, but I don't think it was billet. Suncoast made us a shaft. We broke it a couple times found out that the uh, machining tolerances were too tight. So that was kind of a manufacturing defect, not a transmission defect. But for that to be the weak link at 1,290 horsepower is insanity. Um, I've been in this industry a long time. You know, you're not going to do that with a 48 RE or a 47 RE or a 68 RFE or an Allison. You're just not going to do that. It's not possible. Um, so that's a really, really badass transmission. Um I have seen bone stock trucks with transmission issues, but every single time it's tuning. And I I know the tuning guys are going to roll over out there. It's not tuning. It's not tuning, but take the tune off, flash it back to stock with IDS, put a stock transmission back in it at the same horsepower level. I'll never see that customer again. So it's tuning. You're wrong. Um, So that's been really frustrating to explain to customers because we are in a digital age where everybody's a superhero tuning guy on Facebook. And then when their tunes suck and it blows up the customer's motor or it destroys the customer's transmission, 
the tuning guy is the last guy to admit that it was his issue. But at the end of the day, if we can flash it back to stock and get the tune out of the equation and the truck lives, it's tuning. And uh, I, I've seen these tuning guys just fall on their swords defending themselves. But the facts are the facts. If we take your shitty crappy tune that you did in your grandma's basement wearing your shitty dirty wife beater off the customer's truck and the truck lives, your tuning is the problem. And that's becoming the case more and more, unfortunately, because as we all know, with the EPA getting involved in the diesel industry, a lot of the really good tuning guys are going out the window and uh, they're either no longer tuning trucks that have been tampered with, or they're only doing emissions present tuning, which is hard to make big power with. So we're left with a bunch of really, really bad tuning coming into the shop and really weird issues that we've never experienced in the past 10 years uh, with six, seven power strokes. So take the aftermarket out of the equation. The six, seven power stroke off the factory floor is a great platform. It's very reliable. It tows unlike anything I've ever towed with coming from many years of experience, hot shotting out West with Cummins trucks. And I thought they were bad. And I daily to 800 horsepower, five, nine for seven years. And it was pretty bad. And the first time I towed a trailer over Mont Eagle here in Tennessee with a six, seven power stroke bone stock, I was embarrassed. I was really embarrassed that I'd spent the money I spent building a five, nine to do the same thing that Ford accomplished out of the box with a six, seven power stroke. They're amazing. How would you say the emission systems in the, well, I know with the 11 to 14 turbos on the six, seven, those are kind of a known issue. And I know the aftermarket stepped up with it, but if someone's listening and they're looking for a Ford and a six, seven, probably one of the first things they're going to ask is how, you know, has he seen any high mileage ones? You know, what kind of mileage are people getting out of it? What do you see there with them? So we have a lot of, uh, Apparently, Atlanta is the breeding ground for hotshot truckers. I've I've worked in five different diesel shops in three different states. I've never seen the number of hotshot truckers that we have here at Leadfoot Diesel in Georgia. I mean, it's ridiculous. It's three a day, and I'm not exaggerating. Three hotshot trucks a day come into our parking lot. Uh, whether they need repairs, whether they've got questions. It's three hotshot trucks a day that I talk to. And um, a lot of them are using the six, seven power strokes. Cummins, I would say, is the most popular. And the and the repetitive fact that I hear from those guys is they're cheap. And they are. It's the cheapest truck you can buy. You cannot walk out on the lot and buy a brand new Duramax or a brand new power stroke for what you can pay for a brand new Dodge. They're cheap trucks. Uh, <clears throat> the Cummins engine has a really good reputation over the span of 35 years. Um, personally, I'm not a huge fan of the six, seven Cummins. It's got a lot of problems. We work on them constantly. They come back, they come back, they come back. Uh, as a guy in a shop, comebacks suck. Comebacks mean somebody expects something for free. And the comebacks are not because we're not doing our due diligence. That's what we're, known for that's what we pride ourselves in is is studying the aftermarket studying the the factory platform what is the problem how do we fix it and on the six sevens there really aren't any even on the emissions side 
you take a bone stock six seven Cummins and you throw a triple axle gooseneck trailer behind it and you hit the highways in the United States of America, you're probably not going to be in a shop very much. Um, that truck, you're using it for what it was meant for. It's gonna the the emission system thrives on pressure and heat. So if you're towing, you've got both of those. Uh, it can it can complete successfully the regen cycles that it needs to complete. So guys that are out there working those trucks, we don't work them. That's the God's honest truth. The, the, the six, seven power strokes that we're working on is the guy that's commuting back and forth to the, the office, 10 miles, one way, 10 miles home. Again, that's me. Um, and so those trucks just can't live in that environment. They don't ever get the pressure. They don't ever get the heat. They don't ever get the, the, miles per hour to complete a regen cycle and they're going to have issues <laughs> and that's not a ford chevy dodge thing that's just the emission system thing um i don't care what you drive if you're babying your truck and you're taking it easy you're gonna have problems uh get out there and beat that thing if you if you're not towing if you're not working it go out there and beat on it you know drive it like you stole it a couple times a week and do it for a period of 15 minutes or longer you're going to have issues with the emission system um, I will say the one absolutely retarded thing that Ford did to us and Dodge followed suit shortly behind them. Now nah, they beat them to it. Um, putting the def fluid right next to the diesel fuel. What the frick? Like, why is that a good idea? Like, why is that even a thing? I cannot tell you how many thousands of trucks have come through our shop because the customer in a rush talking on the phone, whatever the case may be, mixed they them mixed them up and they put death in the tank. That's going to destroy the injection system. That's going to destroy potentially the engine. Um, I've seen it all. And uh, I don't know why we're, you know, do the same thing and expect a different result. That's the definition of insanity. And here we are in 2022 and we still got the death nozzle sitting right next to the diesel nozzle. Somebody needs to get their dick cut off because they should not be breeding. Um, that's a major issue. And I think GM got it right and, and screwed it up the most. They put it under the hood, but then they put this tank that hangs down below the frame rail. And I've got construction workers ripping these things off left and right. I mean, I can't even, can't even keep them in stock because they're ripping these death tanks off so often, driving through ditches and stuff. Uh, but that's a whole nother tangent for a whole nother episode. But, but I would say as far as the Ford emissions go, they're very reliable. Um, I, I think they sucked in 2003 to 2007. They really screwed it up in 08 to 10. But I think in 2011, they got it right. I, I hate def fluid as much as the next guy, but these trucks that are running def get way better fuel economy than the trucks prior that were not running def. Um, it's definitely eased up the regeneration cycle on these trucks. And, uh, for the most part, it's pretty reliable at some point. Def doesn't have a very good shelf life. Unfortunately. Um, I don't know what the timeline is because I'm not the, the customer buying the stuff and putting it in their truck. So I don't know if these people are buying the stuff and letting it sit on their garage shelf for six months and then putting it in their truck at some point, a six, seven power strokes going to come in needing a, death sending unit uh it's the reductant heater assembly is as we quoted out of the shop and uh 99 of the times when those things have codes or issues you tear it down you pull it apart and it's got crystallized exhaust fluid in it and it's just it can't flow 
So I'd say that's your worst issue as a uh, owner operator. And, and to answer your question, as far as mileage, uh, the highest mileage six, seven that I've seen so far was a 2011 truck. The guy deleted it right off the bay, right off the bat. I mean, he literally bought the truck, deleted it. The first time I saw it, it had 75,000 miles on it. We were just doing a service, oil change, fuel filters, what have you. And, uh, the next time I saw it was two. So first time I saw it was 2012, 13 ish. And it was an 11 model. The next time I saw it was 2015. It had 575,000 miles on it. Wow. I was pretty impressed. Uh, <clears throat> I asked him, what, what have you had to do at this point? He said, oil, oil changes and fuel filters. The last time I saw it was 2017. And it had 880,000 miles on it. Same story. Uh, we put a radiator in at that visit. And it was just trickling out the end tank. We put a radiator in it. We put a factory intercooler in it. The core had failed. And, and old change of fuel filters. And I asked him again. I said, hey, what have you had to do to this thing at this point? And he's like, old changes in fuel filters. That's all. And that customer hauls uh, boats. So his route, he goes down to Florida. And he hauls boats up to Illinois, Minnesota, Wisconsin, up in that area. And then he does a hot shot out to Oregon hauling campers out there from Illinois to Oregon and then back and then down. So that's kind of his route, Florida to the Midwest, out West, and then back down to Florida. And I haven't seen that guy since 2017. Uh, I keep in touch with him. I email him every now and then just check up on him. Everything's going good. I don't know what the current mileage is on the truck. I'd have to assume it's probably over a million now. Um, and he's bought another one. You know, he's got a 2017, 2018, 350 now that we've serviced a couple of times. So that's been pretty impressive to see that truck work. Um, that's not everybody. That's not every day. Not everybody's going to have that experience, obviously. Um, we got another high mileage truck that we do a lot of service for. Uh, High-end hauls on Instagram, if you guys want to check them out. Uh, Rashad and uh, his truck is named Brutus, and that thing's been a beast. Um, kind of the joke around the shop is every time his truck comes in needing a repair, it's a P0911 code, operator error. <laughs> um, it's, it's never been the truck's fault. It's somebody driving, you know, with a blown intercooler boot for a thousand miles. I mean, you're going to tear something up uh, and then that's going to happen. Whenever you put an employee in a truck, they're not paying the payment. They're not paying the repair bills. They don't care. That, that's just abuse. So, you know, I think he's had a cracked cylinder head. I think we've put a motor in it at this point. Uh, but every time it's just been abuse, it's just been negligence. So, you know, things do happen, um, and I'm not defending the truck in any way. I don't care at the end of the day. I don't drive a 6.7. My wife does. I drive a 6.0. So, but I, I do I do think out of the big three, Ford, Chevy, Dodge, I think Ford has got the emissions system figured out the best. Um, their only downfall is they don't get very good mileage. So, you know, a 6.7 power stroke, you're not going to have a whole lot of problems with the emissions if you do. It's because you're not driving the truck properly and and putting the pressure to it. When you do have problems, they are the cheapest to fix. Uh, the Ford parts are way cheaper than the Dodge parts. Uh, we covered that on the last episode that I did with you, where I did some side-by-side -side comparison as far as like the cost of the DPF and the cost of the EGR valves and coolers and sensors. 
Chrysler is insane. Like they're nuts. Their pricing is ridiculous. Uh, I had a eco diesel in the shop this week and there's a mid pipe between the catalytic converter and the diesel particulate filter. And that little mid pipe's like 18 inches long. It's $770. Why? It's just Chrysler's smoking crack when it comes to parts and prices. Uh, Ford is massively affordable on their prices compared to Chrysler. GM falls in the middle. They're not, they're nowhere near as expensive as Chrysler is, but they're not as cheap as Ford when it comes to parts and, and your viewers, anybody watching this can go do a little research, call a Ford dealership, a Dodge dealership and a Chevy dealership, and just ask for the price of a diesel particulate filter. You'll have your answer in five minutes. You know, you'll know what I'm saying is true. And parts availability right now is the biggest nightmare for us because parts don't exist. Yeah. Um, it's just insane yeah i think when i when i was thinking about that and this is from the outside looking in i don't drive one but i i do talk about them a lot with people and i thought what would be the best and this is just my opinion which is less factual than what you're saying but if i was right. gonna get if i was gonna get one it would be a six seven power stroke and it might one of the deciding factors for me would be the power level that it comes with stock and some of the amenities that you have on all newer trucks, but specifically we're talking about Ford, what's going to come on a 2017 or 2020 or 2015 versus a 99, a 97, a 94, you know, an 05. And yes, uh, you know, I know that the aftermarket, you can put in backup cameras and other things, but just the quality of materials inside the, the styling at a certain kind of point, I know that appeals to people. It definitely did with me the older I got. Before, I was just like, how much power can I make with this thing? I don't care what brand it is. But then I started to think, how does it ride? Do I like how it looks? How do I like the interior? Um, what does it come with? What uh, you know, what uh, creature comforts does it have? So I agree with you from a, you know, a little bit different perspective of just somebody observing it is I love the styling of them. And from everything I've heard with doing podcasts is they're pretty reliable. Yeah, you can have... And this is necessarily Ford's fault. It's not GM's or Ram's either, but the fuel quality and it affecting the CP4 can definitely be an issue. There, there are, you know, solutions that are out there for that. But that would be the one that that I would pick. And this kind of leads into why I didn't pick another one. And I think we probably might maybe agree on on this one. But what is the worst power stroke, or the one you would tell somebody do not buy this, unless and it could be for a number of different reasons. I don't think there's necessarily just one any of these trucks are going to have but in your opinion what's the worst one to get that's not even a there's zero contest there i mean a six four power stroke i love them i want one i want a standard cab two-wheel drive six four power stroke so bad i can't stand it they're nasty you throw a tune intake and exhaust on it you got a 590 horsepower truck um biggest piece of shit ever made hands down um what we see and and the series of events that takes place is the k16 pump it, it just lives a horrible stressful life under extreme pressure i'm going to be perfectly honest and say i've never seen a cp3 fail on a 5.9 cummins i've never seen a cp3 fail on a 6.7 cummins 
Uh, CP3 has about 185,000 mile lifespan on a Duramax, if we're being honest with ourselves, um, because it's starving for fuel. It's trying to pull its own supply and pressurize it and feed eight injectors instead of six. And it's just a bad lifestyle for a CP3. Easily fixed. Throw a fast on it. Uh, if you own a Duramax and you don't have a fast, you're an idiot. Um, but a, a K16 on a 6.4 power stroke, when it when a CP3 fails, the, the metal debris that comes out of that pump as it's eating itself alive goes back to the fuel tank. And then it gets sucked up into the fuel filter and it stops there. So worst case, you're going to starve the injectors for fuel and you're going to throw a pump and injectors in an, in an LB7 or an LBZ or an LLY or an LMM or whatever. It's the same fuel system on a Duramax from 2001 to 2010. So that's just the facts. So throw a fast on it and you'll fix your issue. On a 6.4 power stroke, we cannot fix the issue because when the K16 fails, that metal debris goes forward. It goes through the injectors. And so you've contaminated the rails, you've contaminated the fuel injectors, you've contaminated the sensors, pressure regulator, everything's full of metal when the K16 fails. And when it fails, you know, you got a fuel system operating at 27,000 plus PSI, you hang an injector open with a little bit of metal debris in it, and you just cut the pistons in half. So how do you fix that? Well, if we're looking at it from the aftermarket world, you go find somebody that's redesigned the fuel injection pump and come out with a better solution. And being that it's only a, a two-year run, really a one-year run manufacturing-wise for the 6.4s, there's no aftermarket support for that problem. So the best we can do is throw a fast on it, cross our fingers and say our prayers every day. And when it blows up, it's $20,000. So I've got one at the shop right now. We put an engine in it in 2013. A uh, long block from Ford, so that's off the top of my head. I think fifteen six back then was the price tag. Uh, Two thousand seventeen, we put an engine in it again, and it's a specialized truck, and that's the only reason the customer can justify doing this three times. It's a paving company, and so the truck's got a specialized bed with a hopper on the back that. I don't know exactly what it does. I guess I haven't paid that much attention to it. I just know it's a greasy mess and it stinks when we have it in the shop. But I have to assume that it's spraying tar or something on the asphalt as they go down the road. So <clears throat> it's probably a $125,000 rig, brand new, and it's probably a $125,000 rig to replace it. So to put a $20,000 engine in it every three to five years, I guess, makes sense for them. Out for me, I'd swap the bed over to six, seven and be done with the thing. But uh, it's at the shop now for its third engine. And uh, this last engine only has 10,000 miles on it. It's unfortunately out of warranty. Time-wise, we always use OEM Ford engines in that application because they got a really great two-year unlimited mileage warranty on them and they pay for labor as well. So <clears throat> we tried to do what's best for the customer in that situation, but at the end of the day, a 6.4 is the biggest piece of shit ever made. I, and that, I'll say that confidently with Ford, Chevy, and Dodge. Uh, that is one diesel that I don't care to ever own one unless it's just a stupid good deal. Like if I could pick one up for $2,500 and beat the balls out of it for five to 10 years, great. When the engine blows up, it's going to scrap. Like I'm not going to put money in it. What's really interesting is when you think back to different time periods, and this is 
why doing this episode is so, um, I think it's to be helpful for a lot of people is you remember when the six fours came out and it's like every power stroke enthusiast was excited because the six liter was going away. Here's this <clears throat> brand new truck. The styling was on point. The interiors were really cool. It made all this power. It had this, you know, cool turbo setup. And there was, like you mentioned, it's just like a tune and some other, you know, parts. Here's 590, 600 horsepower, stock transmission, 60 sucks, 67 power stroke sucks, LMM suck. And we look back, what, 10 years, 12 years later, <laughs> and it's reversed it's itself. It's the best shit ever made. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I know they have a lot of aftermarket support with engines and other things that, that are done, but it's one of the hardest questions I, I ever get is somebody say, Hey, I listened to the podcast. Um, I want to get a diesel truck. I found a great deal on this six, four. What do you think? And I'm like, run, I'm like, go listen run. to a couple of these episodes because it, it can be okay. It cannot be okay. But I know it costs a lot of money to fix it. And I, I agreed with you when I was thinking about this and it, it pained me a little bit because that there's two trucks that when I look at them, it just like hits me in my soul. That's one of them as far as just the appearance catching my eye. But I don't know if I'd want to spend the money on a long block or short block as often as they may go out and, and it's just, it's tough, but it had so many cool things, you know, it had that sequential turbo setup. It had the great power. It had ability to make power really easy with just a tune. And it's just, it's tough. It is, and it's it's frustrating because I know the potential's out there. I know there's people smart enough. I, I one guy that comes to mind, Zane Kosh from H and S Motorsports. I know for a fact that man could fix the K sixteen issue. But talking to him doesn't make any sense to put the R and D out there to build a pump or do a CP three conversion or whatever the solution may be it just doesn't make sense you're gonna have a couple hundred thousand dollars into r d maybe more to to figure all that out and you got a truck that was manufactured for 12 months it just doesn't at the end of the day it's never gonna happen nobody's gonna make that investment there's not enough passion on the planet for somebody to lose a quarter of a million bucks and never get it back and that's the facts. You know, if we're dealing in facts and not opinions here, that's the facts. There's no reason to put the money in to make a 6.4 reliable when the patterns are clear. It's a 150,000-mile motor. There's some unicorns out there that go further. I've seen them. I got a customer that hauls Kentucky Derby racehorses. First time I saw his 6.4 come in the shop, it had 385,000 on it complete freaking unicorn i mean the guy's out there towing every single day with it it never gets unhooked from a trailer it's a four-door long bed single rear wheel beautiful truck like you said you see you see a six four going on the road you're like damn that's a good looking truck i can drive that oh yeah you know especially getting to like the harley davidson editions with the interior i would love to have that truck I remember seeing Mike Corsilli's six four and that navy blue truck oh, that did God. DPC, and I saw it in person. Like they, were, truck. they were all lined up and getting detailed, and I walk out there and I'm like, eh, I've seen a you know, ton of third gens. I've seen a ton of oh my God, look at this thing! Like it was just 
Oh, it caught my attention, but my pants are getting tight. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I know he sold it and, and you know kind of moved on, but I, I told him when he was on the podcast years ago, man, that thing. When the series is done, people will know the two trucks that, that do that to me. That's definitely one of them. Um, now, I know there's going to be guys out there that are listening. And they're like, well, he didn't say the 7.3. What do they think about 7.3 or the IDI or the OBS? And I see it, Man, I see it a couple different ways. Yeah. I think there's two reasons I didn't pick it as the best. or I don't think they're the worst. But I think about the power levels and the aftermarket support to reach it. And you know, right now or here in the future, you're going to be able to get a 500 horsepower, 1200 foot pounds, a torque six, seven power stroke with every bill and whistle out there. And the, the, the towing it ratings are insane on them. And I think does that for an active lifestyle, would that work? I think as a commuter truck, something to drive every day, it would be great. Probably last forever, but they're older and I think finding a clean one and having to go through it all is, is kind of tough, but you know, you own them, you have owned them. What do you think about the, uh, the seven threes? I mean, that was my first new truck was a 99 seven three and I loved it. And, uh, I bought it through at the time I was working for a timber frame and log home company out in Montana. So I bought it through our fleet account with the company. So I got a great deal on it you know, stripped down base model, roll up windows, manual transmission. It was a great truck. Threw a super chips tuner on it, threw a cold air intake on it and a MBRP exhaust. And it was, a, I mean, at 16, 17 years old, you couldn't tell me that, that there was anything faster on the planet. I thought it was the greatest thing ever made. Um, traded it in the next December and bought a 2000 and traded it in the next December and bought a 01. And I did that every year because we were putting a hundred thousand miles a year on these trucks. You know, we were building houses in Montana and then we're hauling those houses to Vail, Colorado, Aspen, Colorado, Jackson Hole, Wyoming, Lake Tahoe, Nevada. I mean, all of our jobs were on ski resort towns basically. And so they were great trucks. I, I loved them. Uh, I didn't, I didn't keep them long enough to have any problems with them. You know, as soon as the factory warranty was up, I was trading it in. So my early years with the 7.3 were fantastic. And uh, it wasn't until years later when I kind of, my father-in-law passed away and left me a 12-valve Cummins. And I kind of got bit pretty hard by the Cummins bug. It was simple. It was a very uh, easy to work on engine for the most part. You know, doing injectors in a 7.3 is a five-hour job. Doing injectors in a 12-valve is like 45 minutes. So I got a little spoiled with the Cummins and I kind of went down that Cummins rabbit hole for <sighs> 10 years. And uh, that's when I met you. And that's when I met Clint from ATS and uh, Brady from industrial and some really just super amazing people in the industry. And it was just an easy platform to make power with. And seven three is not. Uh, I had a very good friend in Washington state that was trying to make 550 and we didn't, I'm not going to say we knew what we were doing back then. We were a couple of young guys, you know, dicking around in the driveway, bolting on parts, trying different things. Uh, we were sucked into the forums and everybody's forums are absolutely terrible places for information because you're, all you're getting is opinions and opinions. We all know what those are like. 
And so we were just shotgunning parts into this guy's 7.3 to try and make power. And we eventually made 550 horsepower, but sitting around the bonfires on Friday night, you know, he didn't have a leg to stand on because he spent $40,000 to achieve that. And I got a 5.9 coming sitting in a driveway that I maybe had 10 grand in making eight and a quarter. So the, the money and horsepower spectrum is so vast on a seven, three, it just doesn't make sense. It's, it's, it's not a, if you want to make power with your seven, three, do it, have fun with it, love it, enjoy it. Um, we do it every day. I mean, we got great customers that are making five, 600 horsepower to their seven threes and they love them and we love doing it for them. But being an honest man at the end of the day, you feel a little guilty. You feel a little sorry for him. It's like, good Lord, you just spent like, that's a down payment on a house and a hundred acres. Like God, like, and you're only making 550. Like that's embarrassing. And, and you feel bad for him. I have a seven, three. It's got an SMB intake on it and a hydro tuner from power hungry performance. Done. I'm not spending any more money on that truck. It's slow as balls. It's got a South Bend dual disc clutch in it. It's never going to be fast. And I'm fine with that. Yeah, I love that truck. I'll drive it till the day I die, I hope. Uh, my kids are driving it, learning to drive a manual now. They're 13, 15 years old. It's a great, great truck. I love that truck. I'm never going to try to make power with it. It's a giant piece of shit when it comes to horsepower. Um, if I'm going to put money into something to make horsepower, I'll put money into my 6.0. Uh, I'm not really interested in that anymore. If I was really going to make power right now, I'd go buy me a 5.9 Cummins, uh, 12 valve, 24 valve, early 0305. If I'm going to make power, that's what I'm going to fall back on. Uh, you know, I just, I, I love the 5.9 Cummins. It's an easy engine to work on. It's easy to make power with. It's affordable to own. Um, and they don't have a lot of problems. So a, a 7.3 to me is a point A to point B vehicle. It's a utilitarian vehicle. It's you own a farm, you own a ranch, you own a construction company, buy them. They're great trucks. They live forever. They don't have a lot of problems. Keep a cam sensor under the seat. Enjoy the hell out of it, but it's not going to be a powerhouse. And if you do want to make power with it, you're going to spend stupid money to do so. There's yeah. guys out there pee pumping them and doing ported and polished heads and that good for them. Innovators doing something nobody else has ever done. You guys are awesome. Not my cup of tea. Well, I think there's going to be a couple different types of people that <clears throat> listen to this episode. There's going to be and what my, my real goal with it was, was to be able to have a source that someone who doesn't own one of these trucks can come in and listen to it and say, okay, I think, I think I've narrowed it down to a couple year ranges or I'm, I'm set on a six. it meets my budget. I know what I have to do with it. And then there's going to be the enthusiast and I mean, I love hearing from these guys that have a 7.3 OBS and they're trying to crank 7, 800, 900 horsepower out of, or, you know, a 6 liter or the 6.4. And so, you know, I think our discussion, I probably should have said this at the start, we're not necessarily saying if you're doing this with your truck, you're, you know, don't do it. It's, it's not worth it. But it's really for somebody who doesn't know. And I find that maybe not so much in diesel trucks, but other things that I'm interested in where do I find the information? Like I'll go into Google and type in, you know, what's the best X, Y, Z. And I get a whole bunch of articles that I know are written by people who are paid by the company to write the article. And I'm like, I just want somebody's opinion who 
you know, this isn't sponsored content, you know, Ford's not paying you to be on here or paying me to do the episode. What do we see? What should we look for? So I think you really highlighted all of that for somebody who, you know, is, is a Ford guy or gal wants to get into a diesel truck. What should they look for? Um, what should they be prepared for if they maybe just got it? Maybe they already are in that six, four or that six liter or that seven, three or that six, seven power stroke to know, Hey, I might need to do this or, or, you know, what are some things I should do? So I appreciate you sharing, you know, the knowledge on that. And, uh, well, that's, that's one thing I want to highlight. You know, I read the comments on all these episodes and I get emails every time somebody comments back and it's, it's fun. I enjoy the hell out of it. I love your viewers. They're great commentators and, and you've got the good, the bad and the ugly, and they're all wonderful people. But, you know, at the end of the day, my paycheck does not change no matter what somebody spends at our shop. Um, 99% of the people commenting on your videos and these episodes that we do don't buy anything from me. And I'm fine with that. I'm happy about that. Um, again, I don't get paid on commission. So if, you know, I have been inundated with emails and Facebook messages since our last episode about water methanol injection, I've answered all of them, hundreds, maybe thousands of emails and Facebook messages. Wow. And I have not sold any water methanol kits. So <clears throat> that that's a point that I want to make is I want people to reach out. I want the messages. I want to answer questions. I want to help. <clears throat> we all work our asses off and, and we spend our hard earned money 99% of the time just to make these trucks reliable. And uh, I appreciate those messages. And I want you guys to, to message myself and Patrick or whoever, but uh, I will always tell you the truth. And it's never going to be monetized. I don't get paid to tell you buy this or buy that. I'm, I'm not a commission-based salesperson. I'm not a salesman at all. I'm just an idiot answering the phone. Um, so, you know, that's, it takes the bullshit out of the conversation when you don't get paid commission. And, and that's huge. I will never accept a, a position where I can benefit personally from selling somebody something. I think that's when you turn a, a good honest person into a liar yeah and and i grew up way too poor to be a ford chevy dodge guy i don't care at the end of the day you know we grew up you drive whatever gets you to work and, and work your ass off and hope it doesn't break down so you know i i drove fords in the beginning because it was convenient for me to purchase a brand new vehicle through our company's fleet account i ended up driving dodges because one was left to me in somebody's will uh, it wasn't something I wanted. It wasn't something I purchased. It was something I was gifted and I had to make the best of it. So, you know, all my diesel experience is based off of, of convenience and what's affordable. And, and that's how I look at every customer that walks through the door. How can I take the best care of this guy, get them into the correct parts, whether it be stock or aftermarket, you know, if we're doing wheel bearings, I'm going to stick with the OEM. It's got the best warranty. If I'm, if I'm dealing with tie rod ends and, and steering knuckles, I'm going to go with move lifetime warranty. Um, <clears throat> if it's a six Oh power stroke having issues of any kind, I'm going to go with bulletproof diesel because they make great innovative products that solve factory issues. So there's a myriad of answers to questions out there. I try to base mine off of facts and, and who's put the money into the R and D. You know, what company has 
found a factory problem and come up with an aftermarket solution. And, uh, you know, as we cover other makes and models through this series, there's a lot of really great parts out there that I'm going to discuss and uh, try to help your viewers with and, and hopefully save a whole bunch of people, a whole bunch of money. That's at the end of the day, that's the focus of this podcast is educate people and take the bullshit factor out of it. You know, there's so many salesmen out there that are just blowing smoke up your ass to try and take as many dollars out of your pocket as they possibly can. I don't think you or I are that guy because we don't stand to make a dime off this stuff. We're just putting good information out there. I hope. Exactly. Yeah. I, I mentioned that on a, on a podcast once is, <clears throat> um, you know, somebody had asked, uh, you know, why do we do the podcast or, you know, something like that. And it's really being able to, you know, kind of help people and guide them and, I don't have a website. I don't sell parts. So if you want to name drop people and I don't, I don't sell, it's not like I say, Oh, don't say that because I don't make the margins on it. Say this place. Like I, it doesn't matter to me, but what does matter is you know, when someone listens to this and says any of these episodes and says, Hey, I, I actually learned a lot. Help me with a purchase or I, I changed careers or I started my own shop or, um, Hey, I just made this power number. You know, I loved hearing what this person had to say, or they inspired me. So that's what, uh, you know, I sing this, this series is you were the first one uh, that popped into my mind to do it. And we got part two and part three to still do. So, um, you know, we, we got a, a lot to cover, but I appreciate the Ford insights. I learned a lot. I've never owned a Ford power stroke. They're always on my radar. And so I know what to expect if you know, I'm looking for one and, and uh, I'm sure our, our listeners you know, will as well. So I appreciate your time chatting about uh, this and, We'll continue on with you know, part two here shortly. Sounds good, man. Don't forget, Diesel fans, stay tuned for part two. This is going to be a three-part series where we go through different trucks, and I ask Vinny what his professional experience has been from a factual standpoint, what he sees as far as patterns with the trucks that are most problematic and the ones that aren't and just seem to really serve the owners well. So if you liked part one, definitely turn in to episode two. I want to remind you guys, we have a code from our friends over at Kershaw Knives. It's diesel20. You get 20% off at kershaw.kiausa.com. They got a lot of cool knives really to meet any budget. So if you need something for hunting, fishing, or EDC and are in the market, definitely check them out. I want to give a shout out to a couple of our Patreon supporters, Tyler Lowen, a 23 diesel, Caleb, all of our Patreon supporters, all of you on YouTube, Discord, subscribe to us on podcast apps. We love hearing from you guys. We love seeing what you guys are working on. So if you have an idea for a podcast, a guest, a topic you want covered, make sure and drop us a, a message on Instagram, Facebook. You can email us at info at or comment on YouTube. We're always checking messages there. Until next time, keep the shiny side up.